on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast hosted by Dave and Johnny. In this episode, I sat down with Monique Smith, a ladies European tour player who currently working through a hip injury so she's spending a bit of time here in Ireland practicing but also kind of just relaxing a little bit so I played 18 holes with her at Corbulus and we got into her story how she got into golf um, her success as as a young kid representing South Africa at a very young age to then turning professional and we also spoke about the tragic loss of her mother not too long ago actually so it was it was great to to talk with Monique and she was very good to give us her time and to be very honest with us as well about how how tough an ordeal that was for her to get through but also what it what it meant for her to to come back to playing professional golf but before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you guys that Duck Hook have a whole new range of products coming out from the quarter zip in a new colour to the gilets being restocked, a whole new range of athletic fit t-shirts. I love them. I was wearing them on that round out at Corbulus with Monique and Amy Condon and Monique just kept saying that the gear looked really good. So guys, get your hands on it and remember when you go visit duckhook.shop, enter in coupon code bogeyman at checkout, you get 15% off. That's bogeyman b-o-g-e-y-m-e-n at checkout you get 15 percent off support the lads they're really good guys irish company great product like the feel of this stuff is really good this new athletic fit gear is class guys you'll love it get on it now enjoy this chat with monique smith now guys i am delighted to say that i'm joined by ladies european tour player monique smith from south africa you're monique you're well how are you first of all all good thanks a bit of a, a windy windy day out in ireland but what a what a great day it was honestly yeah so we were playing in uh corbulus what do you make of it beautiful golf course i mean uh, finally amy and i got our our, our long way to drown it's been two years so finally got it and johnny it was great playing with you today thank you for joining us out there today golf course honestly it's a little gem here it's beautiful yeah it's definitely um i wouldn't say a hidden gem everyone everyone knows about it but it's it's, it's a, an underrated course it, it really is and i mean the views around you mm-hmm. you just get mesmerized out there to be quite fair yeah corbulus is a funny one it's surrounded by some heavy hitters when it comes to golf courses like the island is yeah. a half a mile that way but it's a it's a super track in its own right exactly and it really holds its own i mean you need to it's not, you have to think your way around this golf course, which is just absolutely lovely. So let's get into yourself, your story. Could you introduce yourself? Who are you? Where have you come from? So I am, well, Monique Smith, all the way down from South Africa, long way from home. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm all the way down from George and it's quite quite famous for all the golf courses, actually. Uh, I reside at Fancourt Golf Club and it is just, honestly, it's a beautiful we've got three three courses down there we've got the links which is quite the the famous one it's number one in the country at the moment then we've got the Otaniqua and uh, the Montague golf courses but it's funny being surrounded by all those golf courses I think we've got about 12 15 courses in about a 40 kilometer 
area. Wow. But I didn't quite get into golf until much later in life. I think I only started when I was about 11, 12 years old. I was much more interested in tennis and athletics before before I, I took up the game. So what was it that drew you to the game? Uh, it was actually, it was really, really funny. It was uh, my my dad and my granddad. They, they were the keen golfers. And uh, they said, well, you're not doing anything much. It's school holidays. Why don't you Why don't you come join us? And as they say, the rest is history, actually. Your dad, good golfer? Well, dad's the golfer, and we got mom into into playing with us as well. So it was always pretty awesome to have, you know, the, the standing, well, the standing Sunday morning tea time, which was always lovely. That's lovely. So was the whole family into golf as well? Yeah, the, so the, it was literally a family of golfers driving each other mad with, with golf clubs. I think my dad has literally, he's got four different sets of golf clubs at home. So it depends on his mood, which one of the clubs comes out to play with him that day. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. There are some clubs where I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave this one behind. We'll, we'll leave this one behind, I know. So then you took you took golf up at 11. That's relatively late for a professional golfer or, yeah, or elite player. Quite. So what was it? What was the moment where you're like, okay, I, I can I can do this pretty well? It was funny. Honestly, I hated golf when I started, to be, to be fair. I was like, what am I doing? This is driving me nuts. And I'll never forget it. The turning point was... Every Friday afternoon at George Golf Club, we would have the nine-hole junior comp. And we had a really busy day. Um, we had, I think, oh, we had to go and climb the Otaniqua Mountain, actually. So we were all just damn tired, and now we have to go and play golf. And I was begging to not go to golf that day. My dad said, no, come, let's go to golf. So we went to golf. And that was the first time, I think I was 13 by that stage, where I shot level par around George Golf Club and I was like right that's it I can do this now focus and then I ended up giving up all my other sports at school and just and just focused on golf okay because like you're saying there were a lot of other sports that you played like tennis and athletics how, how good were you at those other sports as well it was a tough decision to to park those other endeavors it was especially tennis because I really loved playing tennis and I was on the on the school team and everything but you know, literally when I had that nine holes of level par, it was just like the decision was was made for me, actually, and never looked back since. Okay, and so then can you talk me through the, the trajectory then from 13 and going, this is what I want to do. And, that's pretty young to decide, to, okay, like, to I'm going to go, go after it. this. Exactly, and I mean, it was really the, the motivation and the support from, from a mom and dad to say, like, you can, you know, you can really make a career out of, out of this. And it's, you know, and it's like they said, you love playing golf. And, you know, for me to come up and spend some time at the, at the clubhouse just chipping and putting around doesn't feel like that at all you know you would I think every junior goes through that stage where you're chipping for the the U.S. Women's Open or, or you know for a major championship and that and it and it really was it's fantastic because George is so well known for for its golf you know has managed to get into into a really good golf program down there and you know that really set me up to to play all our local and provincial tournaments and then to get obviously onto the South African national team and really from from then onwards I mean I was playing international by the time I was 15 16 okay um, so that's so already that's so it, it really did go quite a quick trend upwards actually yeah. you know and and South African women's golf is fantastic for 
for really taking the the PSAFAs out into international competition. And I think that's really where, you know, we cut our teeth is against to get out of the, the comfort zone of just playing at home, but really to compete against other nations and play in other countries, learn how to travel from a young age. What's the um what's the girls support like in golf in South Africa? I think in Ireland you'd say there aren't enough girls and women playing golf. A big issue is probably retention. Lots of girls take up the game quite young, but with lots of sports, people move away from the game in their late teens to early 20s. What was it like growing up in South Africa? Um, completely the opposite, actually. Because, okay. I mean, obviously South Africa, it's quite a vast and big country. Yeah. And that, um, you know, we were actually, we were a lot of girls playing you know, and everyone wanted to represent South Africa and being able to to be on those teams that got to that got to travel. And I think, I mean, the the highest honor would be to on an amateur level is not only to win the SA, the South African amateur, but to be selected for the team that goes to the World Amateur Team Championships. And I was very fortunate to be on the the 2008 team that went to that went to Australia. And you know a lot of and that and a lot of players are like if you can win your national championship if you can make it to the world amateur team championships that really does set you up to be like okay I'm taking I'm taking the next step. And what age were you then in 2008 playing on that? Oh, well, how old was I then? What, 17, 16, 17? By the time I was was on that team. So that's four years after you at 13 go. Okay, like I wanna, I wanna, wanna go after this. That's a very steep progression. You know, and I mean, like I had the opportunity to um, to go out to the states on on a scholarship and stuff, and you know, we were pretty much good to go. And there was actually a bit of a a bit of a hang up with the uh, the NCAA. Like literally in the year that I was supposed to go, they had changed one or two requirements that no one was was aware of. And by the time I got accepted by the university already the clearing house came back to say sorry you actually don't have this requirement with science believe it or not and by the time I would have had to get the credits and all of that it would have been way too long so I actually stayed amateur for um, for a couple of more years and I was just playing golf over here in Europe down in South Africa you know pretty much just following all the all the big amateur events and it wasn't until I was 21 that I actually decided to to turn pro and then what was the turning point at, at 21 is there was there a moment where you'd you'd won a certain amount or you'd played against certain players and you've seen them take the transition over to professional ranks yeah so I mean a lot of my my peers actually did turn pro before I did so okay. I was in a way a little bit the the late one in the in, in the group to then to to end up going to to Q school sure you know and we we made the decision and Q school was played in Spain at La Manga that year mom was with me on the bag which was which was quite amazing I mean it's three grueling weeks you know you get through first stage and then it's final stages um, five rounds of golf but you know she was there with me and you know, and being able to, to get through Q school, get the card and all of that, you know, it really does, how can I say, it kind of proves to yourself that you can play with the best players out there. You know, mm. I've been able to, I've been very fortunate 
to be able to come over to Europe for many, many years to, to play and compete against the best. And, and seeing my friends make it to, to a level that I've been playing with for X amount of years really gave me, you know, the, the kick up the butt to say, okay, come, I can make this step. And, and then, yeah, we did it. That's so... I think it's funny that you, you had your mom in your bag yeah. after you were saying that your dad was the golfer and you got your mom into it. Yeah. She obviously went headfirst into uh, supporting you as a professional. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, between mom and dad, mom's always been the, the very chill one. Dad's the one that gets a bit stressed. I'm like, do me a favor. Go, go walk on some other fairway. He's stressing me out now. Yeah, you don't need that in the bag. <laughs> no, I don't need that. No, so... So yeah, and then um, you know it was a it was a pretty tough year. First, you know, young, and now all of a sudden you've got a card on the LET, and mm. you know you feel a bit like a, a headless chicken actually. And trust me, I felt like a headless chicken for the for the first two years. Um, unfortunately, didn't hold on to the card. Had to had to end up going back, and uh, and then I was sort of like in. I was jumping between main tour and our version of the of the challenge tour, the the LET Access series. Mm. So I did that for you know a couple of years, and you know I just and I was very fortunate to have good success down in South Africa on the on our Sunshine Ladies Tour. Yeah. And then sort of I just I, I got to this I got to this point I think it was in 2015 actually where I just hated golf and needed to step away from the game. Playing wow. wasn't making me happy whatsoever. So and that's when I decided to um, to partake in the South African PGA to get my PGA qualification and all of that and I was and I graduated in 2019 so very very happy to have done that being fully qualified you know now being out on the golf course it's it's fantastic there's not there's no worry of I have to make this cut or I have to you know there's a lot more freedom playing nowadays yeah. you know which I enjoy a lot more. So we went through a lot there. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> that was a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> I do apologize. So, um, can we go back to your first two years on tour? Yeah. You were saying you're kind of running around like a headless chicken. In what sense? Was it the going to events or was it the logistics and administration side between the events or was it the golf itself? It was pretty much actually just what goes on behind. You know, it was... I mean, mom wasn't always able to, to be with me in Europe. And, you know, you really do find yourself quite lonely, actually. I mean, most of the the people that are on tour have been there for a while. They mm. they know the just of it. They know the routines, how to plan their travels and, and all of that. And, you know, I think I got it into my head as well that being a professional now, I have to start changing things. I need to now be the professional and I think it sure. took me quite some time to realize that you know what yes I am a professional but I'm still just there to play golf yeah you know and I mean obviously you, you learn so much by playing your practice rounds with you know with older more experienced players and see how they they manage the golf course you know with the yardage books and and all of that and that type of th so you know, you, you do learn, but it, it takes time and, and it, you know, experience can't be bought out there. You just have to kind of go through through the highs and the lows that this game brings us. So it's, I thought it was interesting that you were saying some of the pieces of information you get from the more experienced players is not necessarily about the golf side of it, but about the logistics and the like managing of, of scorecards and green books and the likes. Uh, absolutely. And just sort of managing yourself out there as well. Not to, you know, you don't, 
when you're in a tournament week, you know, it's a it's a six it's a six day week essentially mm. and you need to you need to pace yourself and you need to plan the week. Otherwise you just end up burning yourself um out be- before you know it and that's exactly what happened for me. And so you mentioned twenty fifteen and you started to get to a place where you weren't enjoying golf. Um I say that can be a fairly lonely, lonely place. It was. It really was. But to be, to be fair, I took, I sort of took a, a mini leave of absence in the sense that I wasn't playing golf in in Asia anymore. I wasn't playing golf in Europe. I just focused on playing golf on the on the Sunshine Ladies Tour. Yep. And then. Um, and then doing all my my PGA things, and we were quite fortunate to still have quite a few of the the PGA events that we could could play in. Yep. So it wasn't like I was completely away from the game. I just I was absent from the Asian tour and the on the European tour as well. So then you got your PGA, um, completed that in 2019. Can you talk us through the the timeline from? from there to to where you are now yeah i mean it's i mean even that's a little bit of a mouthful actually so i ended up having um, a knee operation done in 2018 so i lost my whole season of uh, of 2018 actually and and i was i was there was really a lot of thoughts at the time where i was thinking is this pretty much the end of my golfing career i've always knew i wanted to get back to playing after the after the pga tour i just needed a different seen um, for a while and I was very fortunate to actually be invited to the the global challenge down in Hermanus just outside of Cape Town and it's sort of like a, a Ryder Cup style event it's more of a friendly thing between the north and the southern hemisphere and I literally got cleared by the doctor a week before the before the tournament's like okay knees are right you can walk it no problem and you know to to see sort of all the players from from Europe coming over and you know playing match play and all of that, mm. really missed, really missed playing. Okay. You know that was sort of what kickstarted for me. You know it really it all took a turn of November 2018 actually, and um, so I said to mom and dad afterwards like, listen, I think I want to give. I want to give it a try. I was too late to enter the Q school. So they said, well, you don't have any status, but why don't you play the 2019 season on the Sunshine Ladies Tour and go back and start off on the on the access and just see how you get on and see, give yourself the year, come what may, we'll pretty much pretty much go from from there. And and yeah, I mean, played, had a good season on 2019 back home, came over and I managed to actually get um, a really good category after a couple of events with the re-ranks. So I was in all the events for the rest of the year, which was fab. And um, yeah, and then sort of um, a bit of a, a heartache happened at the at the end of November 2019 when I lost my mom um, due to pancreatic cancer. So it was a it was a tough year playing, and it was a tough year having to come to play as well because I say to her on many occasions mom I can come home I can be there I can just mm. be there yeah and you know she's like no but you want to play so you've got to do this and um, you know and then pretty much uh, you know after losing mom you know we had, I had already entered the Q school for December of 2019 in, in Spain and now I have to go back to Spain with without mom where she was caddying for me all those years ago and um but you know in that in itself was such a beautiful story that 
that came through. I mean, I was caddying for myself that week and, you know, I just, I knew she was there with me all the way through. And, you know, after three grueling weeks, it was great to, to get that final card in the four-way playoff. And, you know, I didn't really look back back then. So, yeah. When was your mom diagnosed with pancreatic cancer? Um, mom was actually diagnosed in um, quite early on in the year. Actually, she was diagnosed in in February. It was right in the slap bang middle of the, the Sunshine Ladies tour okay. that that we that we got the news that um, that mom had the the diagnosis. And you know, it was very it was very optimistic. I would say with with everything with her treatment and you know with the surgery they had planned and. You know, and then it pretty much in September just all took took a turn took a turn for the worst, and wow. yeah. So, so I yeah. imagine she obviously stopped. Was she on your bag up until February twenty nineteen? No, so no, mom. You know, pretty uh, with the business at home and and everything. You know, it was sort of taking up too much of her time to sure. to still come and caddy for me. But I and I have no doubt that if I said to her, okay, "Come, let's go to Europe," she would have made a plan. So so yeah. How was that year then? Obviously, from February up to November, that's obviously it was a, t- a very tough year. It, it was, but it, you know, in a way, it was. I felt. I mean, it, the the achievements I've managed to to achieve after that was. Uh, it was very bittersweet, to be honest, because I couldn't phone my mom, you know, and that was sort of like a new realization that that came about that you just don't think of. You know, and I mean, I phoned my dad right after the um, the playoff, and I mean, I think he just burst into tears. He couldn't speak to me for a couple of hours after that. So he's like, "I'll phone you back. I'll phone you back." So I'm like, "It's fine," you know. And then, sort of right, I mean, right off the bat, we came back into the season. We started in January of 2020 um, at home on the on the Sunshine Ladies Tour. Got a, I was a bit slow to to start off with, and then. You know, all of a sudden, just the game kicked in into gear, and it was great to got to get my my fourth win on the um, on the Sunshine Ladies Tour at the at the Joburg Open at Soweto, and I mean that was just unbelievable. Coming back from seven shots in the in the final round and just you know played beautifully that day, and you know, and that one was and that one was for mom, you know, and then. Had a nice finish at the Jabra Ladies Open the week after, and then, you know, then it was the the big one, the the ESO Open, um, in at Westlake the the following week, and just such a surreal week in in many ways. Um, I mean, I I knew I had a shot at the Investec Order of Merit, but. Yeah. You know, it's so out of your control because you need this player to do this, this one to do that. You need yourself to do this. So I was like, oh, you know what? Let's just tear it up and and let's see see what happens. And you know, I finished second at that event, and that actually helped me secure the the investic order of merit. So you know, in such a short space to have achieved that, it was no doubt unbelievable and very proud achievements in my career. But in many ways, very bittersweet in such a short time as well and then pretty much we went into into lockdown you know i think it was the 23rd of march or the 27th of march it was like right stay at home home orders and 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 yeah it's just crazy how these last 18 months have played out to be fair yeah i'd say like you're saying that the last few months the last few years have been bittersweet with obviously get the going through q school where 
you'd first gone with your mom yeah. to then win in the order of merit. Um, so that kind of brings us up to where we are now and, and your situation with your injury now where you've got on the status in the Ladies European Tour. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the injury? So, yes. Yeah, so in... In May, so I actually injured my um, my hip in in February, but I kind of just went through it and and everything. And it wasn't actually until May of this year that um, I was like, okay, I need to get to the doctor now to see to see what's happening. You know, it was pretty much a golf draw gone really bad actually, just prior to the Sunshine Ladies Tour starting. So it wasn't, you know, I think everyone was just so ready and raring to to get going and to kind of have that start be prior to the season was just you know such a, a slap in the face really and in may it, uh, the doctor said well we've got a hip impingement syndrome as well as a as a tear in the in the right cartilage right hip cartilage really so sadly i am i am due for another operation come come october that was the first one we could actually get into so i will be taking a a little bit of a leave of absence for about six months, and but I'm very fortunate to have the the team I have behind me with Garth Milne looking after after the physical. So everything that I'm doing now is all rehab related. So that you know the first six weeks I'll be hopping around on a couple of crutches, but pretty much right after then I can start with with rehab. So the more rehab I can do now for it, it's going to be a lot easier, and hopefully I can get back under the six months. Um, Mark, that'll be that'll be the you know the perfect solution to that. Sure, you said that it was the injury was caused by a drill. It was by a golf drill, indeed. Uh, how does that? How does a drill like that cause so much damage? It, it's funny because I mean I'm a I'm a draw player, and we all know draw players are are quite shallow at impact. And up until then, my my right hip has never been a problem. I mean, I didn't even know I had this hip impingement syndrome of the hip. I mean. Being a draw player, there's not uh, too much internal rotation of the hip through impact, so it never bothered me what's whatsoever. And then the the drill was actually given to me to to help change the um, my angle of attack to become a lot more steeper. And this particular drill really got me into much more internal rotation of the hip and really over. And I mean, unfortunately, when I do a drill, I'll do it until I get it right. And mm. and I wasn't, and I wasn't, and the hip was, you know, paining up a little bit, but I honestly thought it was just because I was doing something something new, so I didn't really give it too much attention. Sure. And it actually wasn't until I got back to my coach when he said, but you've been doing this drill wrong. I was like, what do you mean I've been doing this wrong? This is what we discussed. And we were quite happy that we both were on the same page. And unfortunately not and then a couple of months later we got the we got the news from um from the the hip specialist and and all of that so i'll be i'll be seeing the my the surgeon that's going to be doing my operation on the on the 11th of october so we'll do some new scans again and everything just to see where we're at and then hopefully it won't be too long to to go in for the op so i can get better and get back out there that's a costly drill oh i tell you you have no idea and i mean it's you know i think especially now with covid that we've that we've had i mean last year was pretty much a write-off year for Mm. all professional sports really and 
you know, to to come back this year and to sort of miss yet another season, you know, all I can really be thankful for is that, you know, with the with the tour they've, you know, they've really been of great support to me. So, you know, it's it's great to have that back up as well. So you probably have a medical exemption for the y- season? Yes, definitely. So as soon as the op is done, I can apply for it and we can go from there. Uh, we can edit this out if you don't want to answer this. <laughs> no worries. But uh, are you still working with the coach? No, the coach was fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. So, um, yeah, so they're pretty much the only person that I've really got in the team at the at the well actually two people that i've got still in the team is a very good friend of mine she's from norway actually used to play on tour with us um rachel rostad she's professional up there and you know i just said to her rach listen i just need i just need a pair of eyes on the swing Mm. obviously i'm not going to be thinking of changing too much so you know rachel's been brilliant um just looking after the swing for me just a couple of things and really um the one that has the the protocol for the swing and the hip body is is garth Milne and i could not have asked for for a better person to look after that so after your surgery have you got you're saying it's about six months or so it's the, it's the rehab time is there a an event or a date that you've got as your your target pretty much i would be be re i think realistically speaking I will be looking for for April to really be back for to um, for to golf and professionally uh, especially professional golf. I think unfortunately I'll probably miss next year's um, Sunshine Ladies Tour, which is a bit of a bummer because it's a great you know we've got six seven events down there. It's great to to get into the swing of things, get yeah. ready for the season ahead. Okay, competitive but, eye in. exactly, but you know I think by by April hopefully next year I can maybe bid my time between the the LET as well as as main tour just to get myself you know as much competitive rounds under the belt as i possibly can well hopefully we'll see you back on the uh back on the tour come april perfect thank you johnny thank you very much thank you on the tee jack nicholas this is the minute the millions around the world have waited for we will allow you to enjoy all of this They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 